That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, thanks for this time that we get together as a family. Thanks for your word and for um, Andy, who's coming up here. We just pray that you give him the words to speak, and I just pray that we can leave here transformed by your love. We love you, God. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you, Brennan. <laughs> and good morning, Summit Church. Great to see all of you here this morning. My name is Andy. I'm one of the pastors here, and gosh, uh, it really is good to be with you. And we really are glad that you're here, especially if you're new, if you're new to the summit. It really means a lot that you're joining us today, and uh, we, we especially appreciate you. Uh, here's what I want to do. Uh, before we jump into the text that we are studying this morning that Brennan just read, I want just to take a few minutes to thank you. I want to thank you uh, personally, but I also want to thank you on behalf of our elder team over the last few weeks, so many of you have gone out of your way uh, to just let us know uh, how much you've been praying for us, and you've gone out of your way to encourage us and just send us notes and just let us know that you are lifting us up right now, especially during this time of transition. And that means so much to us. Uh, we are immensely grateful for that. And in, in a lot of different ways, your prayers and your hope has sustained us. And so I want to say thank you, uh, uh, we really, really, really appreciate that. And um, I know that you've been praying for not only us, but for our church and for this time of transition, as, as Brian is transitioning out of Israel. I know that you've just been going to God uh, with these things. And that, gosh, I feel like it makes all the difference. It really does. And I know personally for me, and I, I think I can speak collectively on behalf of our elders, while uh, we, we certainly feel a, a deep sense of sadness and loss about this season, um, at the same time, there's like this real hopefulness, like this real hopefulness that we feel. Um, and that's primarily because um, the very things that we have believed over the last 11, 12, 13 years, and the very thing we have believed about who God is especially, none of that's changed. You know, that's the, that's, the, that's the phenomenal thing about this, like the, who the Lord is and how good and faithful he has been to our church family, the way that he has continued to sustain, the way that he has continued to shower us with blessing and favor and kindness. Uh, none of that has changed, and we are so immensely thankful for that, and that's why we're able to enter into this season with a real sense of hopefulness. So thank you. 
Um, and thank God, like that's the type of church that we have, right? Thank God that uh, we, are, we are filled with men and women like you who continue to encourage us as leaders um, as we take these next steps. And so I, wanna, I just want to lead by saying that. We're grateful for you. Now, as we jump into this new series that Brennan just mentioned a moment ago as we were starting this new book, First John, here's what I want to do. As we begin, I just want to tell you uh, specifically why we chose First John as the next book that we're going to study together as a church. Now, if you're new here to the summit, we just love to teach through books of the Bible. All right? We love to just teach through books of the Bible because we feel like that's one of, the, one of the primary ways that we as a church get to hear from God, and we love to do this together. And the reason why we thought 1 John would be so good and so helpful for us during this season is because 1 John was written to encourage confused Christians who are in the midst of change and were worried about the future. Okay? 1 John was written to encourage confused Christians who are in the midst of change and worried about the future. And we just felt like, well, that kind of seems a little bit uh, relevant and relatable to what we're kind of walking through right now. But on top of that, gosh, there's so much more. 1 John, it's amazing. It's only five chapters long, but it's filled with so much helpful information. So many, it hits on so many aspects of the Christian faith and the Christian life and, and what it is what we believe about God and what it looks like to practically follow Jesus. And so personally, I am really excited about our church walking through 1 John together over the next several weeks, because whether you are someone Okay, whether you're someone who is still kind of wrestling and figuring out with what it is you believe about God, and maybe you're still even kind of making a decision about whether or not you want to follow Jesus, or maybe you have been a follower of Jesus for a long time, but you're in a season right now where you just feel a little bit discouraged or frustrated or stuck, or maybe you're just somebody who's like, hey, change is scary. And if I'm just being honest, as I think about our church and I think about this next season, I'm just a little bit worried about what might happen to us. And those are all really good reasons why 1 John is going to be so good and so helpful for us because 1 John hits on all of those things. It's, a, it's amazing. In fact, John, this is, I'll try to help set this up for you a little bit. John, the author of this letter that we're reading, this guy has the most incredible story. He does. It is so neat. In fact, um, if you're new to the Bible, we first meet John in the Bible as a teenager. Okay, He was one of the very first disciples of Jesus. He was actually the youngest disciple of Jesus as well, and he lived the longest. So by the time that he wrote this letter that we're looking at today, he's probably in his 70s, and he'd been pastoring for almost 50 years, which means, like, think about this. Um, not only is he incredibly wise and has tons of experience, but uh, think about the reality that uh, not only not only did John pastor the first wave of Christians, like the very first Christians that existed, but by this point in his life, he's pastoring like the second, maybe even the third generation of Christians. And it's cool because as he writes this letter, he's speaking from decades worth of experience. All right, he's, he's been teaching people about Jesus. He's been shepherding people like Jesus. He has walked through every imaginable traumatic event the first century through at like all people, but particularly Christians. He was there for all of it and he continued to pastor them till the very end. Why? How? 
Like, how in the world did did John just keep at it for that long? How in the world did John keep pastoring these people through persecution and heavy conflict and and churches splitting and friends leaving and partners dying and personal threats and attacks even on his own life? You know why he kept at it? This is what I think, especially like the more familiar you get with the, the life of John, the story of John. I think the reason that John stuck with it and continue to pastor these people all throughout the entirety of his life is because John not only believed in Jesus, John loved Jesus. John loved Jesus so much. And Jesus loved John so much. In fact, they had this extraordinary type of friendship. They, they loved one another so much. It was unlike any of the other relationships that Jesus' original disciples had with him. In fact, John had, uh, John had this affectionate nickname as the disciple Jesus loved. That's actually in the Bible. That was his official nickname in the Bible. The disciple Jesus loved. And I'm sure all the other disciples were thrilled about that. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, we know he's the one that Jesus really loves. In fact, some of you, some of you, you kind of know, you know this dynamic. Some of you are like the favorite daughter in the family, right? Right? You know, like some of you are the favorite son, right? I always say, I've got way too many family members in this church to to further elaborate on that dynamic, so I'm not going to say any more, but you know what that is like. John and Jesus, they were so close. They had this incredible friendship. They shared this unique trust. You have a friend like that, right? You have a friend. You can basically read each other's thoughts. You can finish each other's sentences. You know what you're thinking at any given moment. You know the things they even dream about doing one day. You know their prayers. That's the type of friendship that John and Jesus shared. They loved one another. They trusted one another. They they were faithful to the end because John didn't just believe in Jesus. John loved Jesus. You know, it, it kind of feels like like that's got to be one of the reasons why John was such an amazing pastor. It just, it just kind of flowed out. It wasn't just a set of beliefs for him. John loved Jesus so much that it just like spilled out for all the people around him, especially the people that he pastored. Now, I love that. I love that, and I don't know about you, but it, I kind of want a little bit more of that in my life, Right? Like I, I want that to be the way that I, I think and live, especially when it comes to understanding what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. And, and I want it to be, I don't know, personally, I want it to be more than cognitive, you know? Like cognitive matter. Like what we believe matters, right? It matters a lot. In fact, John is gonna John is gonna spend a lot of time over the coming weeks helping us understand what exactly we believe about who Jesus is and, and what Jesus did and what it means for us to follow Jesus today. He's going to spend a lot of time. The cognitive really matters, but I also want my heart to feel something, right? I, I want my emotions to be stirred when it comes to the thought of friendship with God. In the same way, in the same way you feel something in the presence of one of your best friends, Right? Now, when you get around one of your best friends, you know that there's a, just a certain joy. There's a certain uh, like pleasure. There's a certain comfort that you feel in the presence of one of your best friends. And I want something deep down to come alive within me, within my heart. I want my emotions to be stirred somehow when it comes to the thought of friendship with Jesus, communion with God. I mean, we all want that, don't we? Like, even if you don't really believe right now, that seems appealing, doesn't it? Like, I would love the idea of something coming alive within me more than just what I believe, but something felt deep within my soul. So we have John here. 
And like I said a moment ago, he's, he's probably in his about his 70s when he writes this letter. And, and let me just tell you why he's writing this letter. Okay, it really matters as we dive into this book this fall. Let me tell you why he's writing it. John's church was really worried about the future. Okay? John's church, which was technically more like a network of regional churches, he's writing to this church, though. They were in the midst of change, and they were really worried about the future because this church just went through one of the hardest things that any church can go through. The church just split. After the church just left, there was this huge theological debate about who Jesus actually was and what Jesus actually did. And we're going to get into all of that in the coming weeks. But you've got this remaining community. Okay, you've got this group of, of women and men who are just clinging to their faith in Jesus, but they're kind of shaken up, and they're kind of scared as they think about the future, and honestly, they're probably really sad. Okay, they're, they're really sad. They're just wondering, like, what's, what's going to happen to us? Are we going to be okay? What's next? You can probably imagine, like, that was a really big deal. Like, think, think about the reality. Like, this... Christianity is still in its infancy at this point. We're just a few decades removed from Jesus dying on a cross and resurrecting from a grave. And this thing is still new and it's still fresh. And these women and these men, they have made the decision to follow Jesus. And this was not an easy decision. This was not a light decision. Think first century. This was a big deal for them to do this. And then they walk through this really traumatic thing with the people who are in closest relationship with them. And you can probably just imagine how sad and scary and uncertain the future of their church probably felt like. And that, that is when John steps in. John is calm. John is kind. John is the non-anxious presence in their lives right now as they figure out what's next. What's going to happen to us? He is their pastor. He pastors them. Can you imagine what it would be like to have John as your pastor? I mean, he walked with Jesus for three years. He was a disciple that Jesus loved, meaning he knew the heart of Jesus unlike any other person. Like, what do you say if you're their pastor? What do you say to a people like that at that time? How do you comfort them? How do you pastor them? How do you make them not just feel like everything's going to be okay, but actually believe it down to the depths of their bones that it's true? What would you say? You know what John does? John very calmly, very, very gently, he leads his people back to the beginning. He, he takes them back to the beginning of, of this story. He takes them back to the beginning of their faith. He takes them back to a person. And he brings them back to the person of Jesus. It's like he knows, like, oh, okay, this is like a tough season right now. This is kind of a confusing season right now. I need to bring you back. I need to just take you back to the beginning of what it is that we believe. And that's what he does. And it's absolutely amazing. Listen to, listen to what he says here at the beginning of this letter, how he opens this letter. It's amazing. There's no official greeting. There's no formal introductions. This is how he starts it. Just listen. He says, from the very first day, we were there taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears. We saw it with our own eyes. We verified it with our own hands. The word of life. That is Jesus. Jesus appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this. 
the infinite life of God himself took shape before us. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. What is he saying? He's saying, I was there. I was there. He's reminding them of his story, just his, his, his story of knowing Jesus, his testimony. He's saying, I was there when God himself, creator of all things, looked down on all of us, all of us, all of us, men and women, desperate and needy, wandering around. I mean, it's, it's just like we do today. Okay? Nothing really has changed. Searching for joy and meaning and purpose and belonging and typically all the wrong places and all the wrong ways. But God... This is amazing. God looked down on us in our sorry state, not in anger, but in overwhelming compassion. He did more, though, than just look down on us. He came down. He came down. He, this is, he broke into humanity to help us find the very thing that we're all searching for, whether we know it or not, him. That's what we were looking for. We, we were all looking for God. That is the beginning of the gospel. That's the beginning of the good news of Jesus. He saw us and he came down. Now John continues, verse 3. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy and your joy may be complete. In other words, John is saying because of all that Jesus did, we now have this extraordinary communion with our Heavenly Father and with Jesus the Son. And we want the same thing for you. We want you to have the same joy that we have, which is amazing because, again, remember the circumstances of what these people are currently walking through. And despite all of those different things, as scary and as confusing and as sad as all that was, notice John doesn't give them a strategy, right? There's no grand plan. There's no, here's exactly what we're going to do now. What does he tell them? It's amazing. (laughs) He says, hey, what we want for you more than anything, more than security, more than stability, more than a strategy for the future, we want you to know, we want you to experience the joy of friendship with Jesus. Because friendship with Jesus, close communion with God is the only way. It is the only way to survive, to make it, to endure this extraordinarily tragic, complex, and frustrating life. That's what John is saying. He's saying friendship with Jesus is what we want for you because that's what God wants for you. Because it's there. It's it's only there where you will find eternal joy and eternal life. And so, you know, that's that's what I'm chasing after. I think that's like what we're all chasing. That's what we all long for, right? That's what, that's what we're all hoping to, to arrive at. That's what, that's what we're inviting you into because that's what God is inviting you into. Isn't that amazing? It's like the absolute best possible deal. It's like God is after your joy and God is after giving you life. And the only thing that we have to do is receive it and walk in it. It's fantastic. It's the best bargain ever. Now, what does John do next? It's important. Here's what he's going to do. In one sentence, get this, in one sentence, John is going to summarize the entire message of Jesus. And then in another sentence, he's going to tell us what happens if we believe it. Okay? So in one sentence, he's going to summarize the message of Jesus. The second sentence, he's going to tell us what happens if we believe it. Uh, First, verse 5. Look at what John says. He says, this is the message that we have heard from Jesus, and we proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is light, 
and in him is no darkness at all. This is, uh, this is John's summary of the message of Jesus. After walking with Jesus for three years, after hearing every single bit of teaching that, that Jesus has had over the last three years, John synthesizes the message of Jesus down into one incredibly short sentence. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Which, if you're anything like me, it's like, well, that is a very beautiful sentence. <laughs> but what does it mean? <laughs> Why don't you tell me what you think it means? And I'll let you know if it's right or not. You know, it's like, that's what God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. What does that mean? John is giving us a metaphor. He's saying that everything we know that light represents is true of God. Light is beautiful. Light is pure. Light is life-giving. It is warm. It is absolutely necessary. There's no such thing as dirty light. There's no such thing as dishonest light. There's no such thing as counterfeit light. And best of all, light spreads. You walk into a dark room, you turn on the light, and darkness is out of there. Darkness is powerless before light. And what did Jesus tell us? Jesus said, I am the light of the world, which means that all the things that we love about light, its beauty, its warmth, its ability to give life, all of those things are found in the person of Jesus and therefore available to you, available to me. It's available to all of us. That's who he is and that's what he offers. All right, that's, that's the first part of, of John's explanation here. The first sentence, the summary of the message of Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. Verse 7. Verse second, here's the second sentence, all right? Verse seven, John's gonna tell us that because Jesus came down, because Jesus lived this perfect life and then died this death on our behalf, rose again for you and for me, here's the offer. Verse seven, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, his son cleanses us from all sin. All right, now let's think about this for a moment. First phrase. I want us to camp out here for a moment. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now, that first phrase, but if we, what's that word? Walk, which let me just say, I am so thankful for that. It's a walk. It's just a walk, right? Not a sprint, not even a jog. It's a walk. And who doesn't like walking, right? It's amazing. It's a, this is a walk. That's the human pace, right? Day by day. We're walking. You know what that means? That means however stuck you feel, however stuck I feel, here at the summit, you have a community surrounding you where you will be loved. Love is awaiting you. A community where you will be listened to, a community that where you will be prayed over, a community where you will be understood. Because we're just walking together. That's what we're doing. We're walking. And here's the thing: because this is a walk, it's not just a moment. It's not just a decision or a prayer or an event that we show up to once a week for an hour and a half. But because it is a walk, we share together all the ups and downs, all of our successes and failures, and there will be failures. Okay, you will stumble, but here's the beautiful thing. Even as you fail, even as you stumble, we share all of those things too. 
We don't have to hide. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to uh, cover up because we're just walking together. We're journeying together as one big family towards heaven with one another. Isn't that amazing? If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. What does that practically mean? What does that, what does that look like? You know, you know what that looks like? And some of you know, some of you have tasted this, you have experienced this, you know the joy of this. What that means is that walls fall down, the conversations get real, and then friendship begins to run deep. Okay? Walls fall down, the conversation gets real, and then real friendship goes real deep. I mean, we just, it's amazing. Like we, we really then begin to discover one another at a deeper level, deeper level, right? We begin like, not just talking about the things at the surface, but we begin to talk about the things below the surface, the things that we're actually feeling, the things that we're actually scared of, the things that we're actually doubting right now. You know, the, the really neat thing about it, the longer that you do that too, the beautiful part about it is that you begin to sense, you begin to see, you begin to actually feel how much we all have in common. You begin to kind of feel like oh, all, all the sin and the struggles and the doubts and the fears, as well as the redeeming grace that sustains us, how we have all that in common. It's the best, it's the very, very best. Let me ask you this. Who else right now, who else in your life really knows how you're really doing right now? Like who, who actually knows how you're doing deep down? Who knows where you are struggling right now? Not, not somebody you know, in another state, not a friend back home, but who here in our, in our church even knows actually how you are doing right now? I hope you know this. God does not want you to do this alone. You were never intended to do this in isolation. He has located you here in this precious community, the, the community of the Summit Church, for you to drop all pretense, to become vulnerable, and to walk in the light together. That's what it means to have fellowship with one another. And that's what Jesus came to do. His gospel actually creates this new type of community, this safe environment, this vulnerable community, where we are able to do this with one another honestly and vulnerably. We're able to say, here's who I am. I don't, have to cover, I don't have to cover that up. I don't have to hide. I don't have to pretend. But this is who I actually am. And when we do that, you know what follows? Supernatural joy. That's what God's telling us. He's saying, hey, it's unlike any other environment that you will exist in. If you walk in the light, if you are honest about here's who I am, you will experience a joy unlike any other joy that you know. It's amazing. But there's one more thing. One more thing here that John tells us. Verse 7, not only do we have fellowship with one another, but secondly, John says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, I'm really struck by that. I'm particularly struck by the sequence of this verse, because if I had written this verse, here's what I would have said. I would have said, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin, and then we can have fellowship with one another. I would have thought, okay, I need to get clean first, and then I can enter into fellowship. That's not what the Bible says. It's in the fellowship that we discover and that we actually feel the cleansing. He's saying as we walk in the light together in fellowship, the cleansing blood of Jesus comes down, and forgiveness starts feeling real. And how amazing is the end of this verse, how John ends this here. He cleanses us from which sin? Which sin? 
All sin. <laughs> Say it with me. He cleanses us from which sin? All sin. Past sin. Present sin. Future sin. All of it. You know what that means? Because I know, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Some of you are thinking, well, you don't know what I've done. Some of you are thinking, well, you don't know, you don't know about my past. You don't know what my past is looking like. You don't even know what I did last night. And you know what I'd say? I don't. But that's okay. Because John here is saying that Jesus died for all of your sin. Which means your very worst sin is no match for his sacred blood. He is not intimidated by your failures. All he feels towards you is tenderness. Guys, hear this. This is so important for you this morning. Some of you, there is sin in your life that makes you, that, that, that sin that makes you the most sad. That sin that haunts you. That sin that shames you. That sin that maybe even makes you feel like you are damned. That place of your worst failure and sorrow. That secret sin that you've been planning on just taking to the grave with you. That is where Jesus loves you the most tenderly. Somebody say, wow. (laughs) Wow is right. (laughs) Isn't that incredible? Hey, look at me. It was for that sin that Jesus opened his veins so that you could be cleaned. So why not confess that? Why not confess it? Why not, why, not just, why not just pour that out to him? Walk in the light. He already knows. He already knows, but he is giving you the opportunity to actually be freed from it. He's giving you the, even the opportunity to take those chains of sin off of you today and to walk in the freedom and the joy and life with Jesus. I mean, that's, that's real Christianity. That's what 1 John is all about. That's all we're going to see over the next several weeks as we continue to study chapter after chapter within 1 John. Real life, real love, real joy. The joy of friendship with Jesus is for you, it's for me, it's for all of us. And that's what we're chasing after. That's what we're chasing after as a church. That's what we're chasing after as a church family. That is what we are asking from God for us in this season. And who wants that? And we want that, don't we? We long for that. We were created. God tells us we were created for that very thing. So in just a moment, we're going to give you the opportunity to respond. And and we're going to ask you to even just think about, hey, what is God asking me to do this morning? What does God even want from me this morning? What what does he want to do to bring joy into my heart in a supernatural way? And um, in a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to pray two things specifically. For some of you, I'm going to be praying for courage. I'm going to be asking God to provide the courage that you need this morning to act. For some others of you, I'm going to be asking for encouragement. Because maybe you feel like, maybe you can even just resonate with that idea of like, yeah, you know, on one hand, like, I believe, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not really entirely sure I love Jesus right now. Like, I cognitively understand, but I'm not sure that it's made it into my heart recently. I'm not sure my, 
emotions have been stirred lately when it comes to the idea of friendship with God. And you know what? That's, that's okay. Jesus empathizes with that. Jesus says, for those of you who are feeling weak, for those of you who are feeling tired, you come to me, I will give you strength. I will give you life. So let us pray unto that, and then we're going to respond. Father, we, um, oh man, we are immensely grateful as we just think about the length that you go to to demonstrate your love for us. Mm. Jesus, that you care more about our joy than we do. Jesus, you care more about us experiencing the life that is truly life more than we do. And God, you've shown us, you've shown us how we can have that. Father God, we ask today then that your spirit would be very, very present here. For my brothers and sisters who just need the courage to trust you, the courage to take the next step, the courage to be able to take you at your word and to go all in. God, we pray that you would provide that and that you would provide that in abundance. For my brothers and sisters who just need encouragement this morning, who maybe they believe in you, Jesus, but they are having a hard time loving you, God, we pray that you would put that love in their heart. Build it up. Infuse them with it, God. Strengthen that. Fortify them with your love. They need it, and you love to give it. So we're asking. Father, as we worship, we pray that we would worship with all that we are. In the good and holy name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. All right, family, this is your opportunity now to respond. We're going to respond in a couple of different ways this morning. Uh, In a moment, we're going to sing. We're going to sing. Here's here's the thing. We're going to sing about how much God loves us. um, But we're also going to sing about how much we love God. And and here's what I know. Some of you might not actually feel that this morning. Some Some of you do. Some of you just feel right now great passion for Jesus, and we love that. Some of you might not be there right now, and here would be my encouragement, even as we sing some of these songs about our passionate love for Christ. If you're not feeling that this morning, my prayer for you would be that you turn those songs into your prayer to God, okay? When we say, God, we love you more than anything, and you might not feel that, I'd say, say, make that your prayer this morning. God, help me to love you like that. God, help give me a little bit of that passion in my heart that I might not feel right now. Others of you, there, I have, there are all kinds of different things that you might be walking through right now. We're going to have men and the women who are in the back corner who would just absolutely love to pray over you, interceding to God our Father on your behalf. So if you need prayer this morning, the men and the women in the back corner would love to do that for you. And finally, we take communion. It's in communion that we remind ourselves and we celebrate what Jesus has done for us, how much Jesus has loved us that he would open his veins, that he would pour out his blood, that his body would be broken. That's why we take the bread and we dip it in the cup, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus in our place for us, for you. So Summit family, this time is for you. Okay, this is the time for you to respond. And however the spirit leads you now to respond, go for it.